You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good morning, everybody. I am Glenda Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Ashley Winch in Kansas City, Missouri. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on Horse Radio Network for Wednesday, December 6th, episode 3315 by Worm. Good morning, Horse World. Well, 19 days till Christmas, everybody. Are you ready? Done anything, Ashley? Anything? No, not a thing. (laughs) We did Radiothon. By the way, you got a lot of good response from Radiothon. I had so much fun. For those that missed it, you can still catch it on this feed, on the Horses in the Morning feed. We broke it out by hours, so it's easier to listen to. And I know some people are still catching up on the past hours. But it was your first one. What'd you think? Other than the complete exhaustion by the end, <laughs> that was the most holiday fun I've ever had. Like, I would take Radiothon over the, the normal corporate Christmas party any day. <laughs> it was. It was fun. Six hours seemed to be a perfect length. Twelve was too many. Uh, it, you know, I just liked the six hours. And I really liked the video. I think it added a whole lot to it. I loved the video. I loved I loved all of our guests, especially that little mini horse. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so cute. Yeah, well, the minis always steal the show. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that was, uh, was a lot of fun. And uh, we hope that you can go back. Congratulations to all the winners of all the different prizes and everything. Uh, uh, Jamie is on her way home today after her family situation. She had to make an emergency trip. So she's on her way home today and should be back on the show on Friday. And she apologizes to everybody for not being here, but when family stuff comes up, you have to deal with it. Um, Katie Gilmore and Grand Prix dressage rider, trainer, and pole specialist Tanya Grantham are going to join us to talk about their new podcast, Poles, Piaf, and Prosecco. I want to ask them if they realize that Poles has a different meaning in the United States, and uh, (laughs) they might be getting listeners in that are expecting something completely different. I mean, a download's a download. (laughs) Ulcers are blamed for everything in the horse world, and Dr. Christy Grant returns today to explain the real story with ulcers. Plus, I have my go-to recipe of hamburg gravy over mashed potatoes. It's simple and easy to make. On those nights you get home late from the barn and you go, I don't know what to make. Uh, That's one you can do, and it takes less than 30 minutes to do it. So we're going to do that. And then in the post show, I found out something about Ashley we're going to talk about, and it relates to Jennifer and I's Christmas trip. So we're going to do that in the post show as well for the auditors. I wanted to mention that next week starts the horse show. That is one of the highlights of the British horse world and, and actually the horse world. It's considered like the holiday horse show of the year. It's the London International Horse Show, better known as Olympia. Uh, you know, dressage and show jumping and driving all happen there. I uh, wanted to give you a little history of it, though. Olympia, the 
venue itself first opened its doors on Boxing Day in 1886. And it was titled at that time, the building was titled the National Agricultural Hall. After a year after its grand opening, the first London International Horse Show was held, so 1887. And then in 1907, show jumping was added to the program, uh, with most early participants being of military background, because in those days, the jumpers and eventers were military. And it became more popular and more popular over the years. It had some rough years then through through the World Wars and through the Second World War. And after the Second World War, there, there was even a time when it might have gone bankrupt. But then people started latching on to it as a Christmas thing and uh, something to do at the holidays. And they started getting non-horse people came out to watch. And then the Queen also had something to do with that. Uh, it is said that Queen Victoria attended Olympia a few times. That's how old this show is. <laughs> um, and that Queen Elizabeth attended both as a princess and then, of course, as a queen, she went quite often. And, and they, they attribute that to part of the comeback to the show, which she took over as queen, I think, in the 50s. And then uh, she started going and people started started catching the you know newspaper's attention and then people started going. Um, it's actually rumored that King Edward maintained a private suite on the north side of the Grand Hall to entertain his numerous female acquaintances when they came to see the show. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so there's more royal gossip for you. Uh, <laughs> traditionally, the main show has run from Thursday through Monday, at, just prior to Christmas. It's always been that way. And a few years ago, two days dedicated solely to international dressage were added on Tuesday and Wednesday. So they added dressage, and now it's a five- or six-day show. Um and it's quite, it's quite popular. In 2013, they saw a record number of spectators at 95,000. Wow. The original building only seated 9,000. I think it seats like 20 now, but uh, it, it's at about 9,000. But they, get, they fill this thing. It's quite popular now. They expect to serve 2,000 bottles of champagne at this year's Olympia, which starts next week. I mean, it's Christmas and, you know... Champagne. I'm in. Let's go. As I proved, you can drink a bottle of champagne in no time. <laughs> so, uh, 200 shops will be open for business. And of course, this is a big holiday Christmas shopping bonanza for horse people. It's kind of like their equine affair, right? Mm. Um so 276 stables will be assembled for the 400 horses and ponies that attend the show. Um, they'll have 32 tons of bedding will be used during that time. 12,000 hot drinks will be served at, uh, to the visitors there and they have shows basically runs from morning, afternoon and evening and, and uh, goes on all day. So it is quite the venue. It's quite the show. And I've talked to people from uh, England that have been there and they just have a lot of fun. And, and our guest today, this ties in well because our first two guests are from England. So we're going to speak to, I'll ask them, have they ever been to the show? We'll find that out. I'm sure they have. It seems <laughs> like people over there have done that. All right, let's do the daily winnies. I only have one of these, but it's an important one. Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy, happy birthday to you. <laughs> Our good friend, para rider Charlotte. It's her birthday. Happy birthday, Charlotte. She's down in Wellington already, so we don't get to celebrate it with her this year. She lives in Ocala, and we see her all the time. But uh, we did get to see her as she was passing through a couple of weeks ago. And happy birthday, girl. And also, something that made me crack up <laughs> this morning, I woke up to this. On last Friday's post-show, Ashley, we 
We did the annual look of naked calendars around the world. Every year we take a look at what naked calendars are out there because a lot of them were started by veterinarians and horse groups, horse colleges, and they just seem to be horse related for some reason. I don't know. Horse people love to get naked. Yeah. (laughs) So, April, one of our auditors, she said, Today I went to get my oil changed and was listening to the post show from Friday about the naked calendars. Suddenly I couldn't hear the podcast anymore. I kept trying to figure out the issue. Then one of the workers, the mechanics, came in and asked who owned the blue F-150. I said it was me. And then he told me that whatever I was listening to had connected to my truck and they all needed the websites for the naked calendars. (laughs) So she said, when I pulled my truck into the bay, it was close enough to switch my earbuds to the truck. You know what, April? We love seeing (laughs) listeners out there finding us more fans. Thank you for doing the work. They probably think our show's all about that. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you know what? A download's a download. I'll say it again. <laughs> so that's funny. And it happens all the time when Jennifer gets in the truck and I'm listening to a podcast in the house, she turns on the truck, it switches. Right. And, and my podcast goes off and I'm going, it's still showing it's playing. Where every time I think to myself, where is what's what's happening? And every time she's hearing it in the truck. <laughs> so and then when she comes back home, it's the same thing. When she comes back home, pulls in the driveway, it switches to the truck and I, my podcast stops playing. So I get how it happened, April. I get how it happened. It is kind of annoying, actually. Maybe maybe we need to add like a warning to the post show to uh <laughs> to to disengage your Bluetooth yes. and we're not responsible for anyone who hears. <laughs> I just think it's kind of funny that it was that particular episode that the mechanics got to hear and probably that's, loved that's it. That's just that's a beautiful that's a beautiful thing, and I I'm, I'm thank you, up. April. <laughs> <laughs> My Daily Winnie is going to go out to all of our horse owners in cold climates. As you guys may or may not know, I am a Florida girly through and through. And while I'm forced to live in Missouri currently, I woke up this morning and my entire uh, backyard was covered in ice. And I cannot imagine having to see that, wake up and go muck stalls, break ice. Bless you. Bless you all. I, I just, I don't know how you do it. And so my, my Winnie goes to you and I hope you get some, some heaters for your hands and toes guys. Cause it's just going to get colder and, and just bless you. <laughs> I, I, you know, I remember the days and I don't miss them. I don't no. miss shoveling the doorways to try and get the doors open and taking out your pick to try and get the ice broken oh. up so you could get your door. Just all of that. Oh. Just your gates and oh, just horses all slipping going up. I know. Oh, the mud balls. Yeah. It's just, it's terrible. I know. So. There's nothing good. And then the Northeast is getting, uh, what are they calling that? The river thing again. And they're getting massive flooding up in the Northeast. Oh, no. Uh, so, you know, they're having serious flooding up there right now. The atmospheric river or whatever they, they the weather people come up with new names every year for this stuff. Um, but they're getting it too. So we're thinking about you guys in the Northeast yeah. of California getting flooded out right now. Uh, before we get to our first guest, though, you, your sleep podcast, how's it going and what chapter are you on? And remind everybody what it is. And, you know, it's a stressful time of year, right? So, yeah, thanks, Glenn. Yeah. So, we are actually uh, on chapters 17 and 18, with chapters 19 and 20 coming out on the 10th. And it's going great. Which we book have. Is it again? 
We are reading currently Misty of Shinkatig's Stormy is her foal. So it's Stormy Misty's foal. It's the second book in the uh, Misty of Shinkatig mm, canon, if you will. And, you know, the, the reception's been great. You guys, it helps with your stress levels during the holidays. And you don't have to listen to it just to fall asleep. I can't tell you how many folks uh, we get feedback from who are just listening to it for the story. And it's also kid-friendly. I have gotten a lot of feedback recently and actually a video from a friend who was playing uh, sleep stories for equestrians in their baby's crib to help uh, sleepy time for the kid. And and so it's just, it's a great story. Who doesn't love Misty? You know, it's just, it's my favorite little project to work on, probably because I'm getting to reread these books. And it's just lovely. Well, you're a good reader, too. And you do a very good job with it. Uh, Isn't it nice to know that you are so exciting, you're putting people to sleep across across the world? I have my closest friends could not believe that I was making a (laughs) sleep story podcast. They're like, Ashley, you are at 11 all the time. I said that to you when we came up with this idea. I said, who's going to read it? You said you would. And I said, that's pretty much what I said. Is like, really? <laughs> it is uh, my history in theater. <laughs> <laughs> What's it called? Sleep Stories for Equestrians. And you can find it on all your podcast players. Uh, check it out. You know, it's helped. Uh, even her husband falls asleep listening to it. So. It's the only time I can get him to listen to me. So <laughs> there's that. And, they, and he's only good for five minutes then. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Sleep Stories for Equestrians. Check it out. All right. Now we're going to head uh, to England, right? We're heading to the UK. And yes. we're going to talk to journalist Katie Gilmore, who for a Long, 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 long time listeners. Uh, She came on on a regular basis and kind of did a UK report for us. It was maybe 10, 11 years ago. And she would come on... I think it was once a week for a while. Oh, how cool. Yeah, we'd kind of get a U- what's going on in the UK. I kind of miss those. We'll have to see if we can find somebody to do that again. And she's uh, just started a new podcast with a Grand Prix dressage rider and trainer, Tanya Grantham, and they've called it Poles, Piaf, and Prosecco. And I don't know anything about Prosecco. Um, so <laughs> so uh, we're going to find out all about that and catch up a little bit with Katie and find out what's happening over in the UK. Katie and Tanya, welcome to the show. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you for having us. Katie, I'm going to start with you. Man, it's been a long time. You used to come on our show, was it monthly or weekly? It was uh, once a month. I used to talk to you about what was going on in the UK and the horse world uh, some time ago. It has been a while. Probably 10, 12 years ago. You need to come back and still give us UK updates. We haven't had updates in a long time. Do you know, I would love to. I would love to come back. I always look forward to us chatting. Now, since we talked last, a lot's happened in your life, right? It has. I have uh, I've managed to have four children, and I've bought a farm, and uh, I have my horses at home. Um, and then I happened to meet a lady called Tanya, and uh, we've been getting busy with podcasting ourselves. Well, I think that's very exciting. And by the way, congratulations. Four kids in the amount of time since we've talked. You've been busy. I, you, know, you didn't have time to do anything else. Well, there was a point where I had four children of five and under, and oh, I'm, I my. don't know quite how I survived that. Oh, my God. We're, <laughs> did you have a set of twins in there? No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, no, they're all 22 months apart. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
you 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 have a system. <laughs> I like a spreadsheet. <laughs> That's funny. So so where did the Itania where did the idea for the podcast called Poles Piaf and Prosecco come from? Uh, I mean, basically, it's combining three of my favorite things. Um, <laughs> so I was I run polar clinics. Um, I create polar content for social media and. Katie attended one of my clinics. Um, I started teaching her from there and we were just chatting one day, probably over a glass of Prosecco and kind of Katie said, Oh, we should do a podcast. And kind of here we are. <laughs> the title is brilliant. Although I, as I <laughs> said before we started with the word polls in the first one as your first word, it might get some different kind of listeners here in the United States who are searching for <laughs> other things. So, but you know, as Ashley always says, a download's a download. So there you go. Well, exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> well, and I have a bit of a play on that. So I actually have a clothing rate with a picture of a horse, but with the wording pole dancing on it. Oh, there you go. That's perfect. You guys, this yeah. merchandise for this show is going to be out of this world. You guys could do a ton of mm-hmm. that. Yeah. <laughs> so explain polls. Actually, it came up in our auditor room, which are our super fans. They were asking about polls, and we haven't talked about it. So kind of explain what it is and, and what it does. So poll work is just a great way of training horses. You can do it ridden, you can do it um, in hand on long lines lunging from the ground. Um, It works for any horse of any discipline. It's fantastic for getting them to really think about what they're doing. So it works on their proprioception, so their awareness of their body in relation to the rest of the world, Um, as well as getting them to really use their um, hind end, lift through their core, so strengthening um, and it's great for riders as well. I use it for kind of accuracy. Almost imagine like playing join the dots. So you ride over certain stripes on the poles to get your line or your pattern accurate. And we're talking pole, just jump rails laying on the ground in, in exactly. certain patterns. Yes. So traditionally, people would kind of lay them out in a straight line and use their strides or their you know, feet to measure a distance in between for each pace. But what I tend to do is create shapes from them and layouts from three poles up to more 30-odd poles. Um, And using the shapes, you can ride different lines, and it means you can ride on all three paces. Basically, I quite often ride by myself, and I don't want to have to get off and adjust the poles when I want to change pace or from horse to horse. So with the shapes that I set up, they can be used, yeah, walk, trot, canter, and from sort of 12 to up to 17 hands, I sometimes have in the same group. Didn't I see that you, I, did you do write a book recently about this or? <laughs> I did. Well done. Great plug. <laughs> um, yeah. My first book <laughs> has just come out. Um, it's a poll work journal. So it's basically a year's worth of poll work. So it takes you through layouts that um, increase in terms of the number of polls. And then it gives you um, complete ridden sessions to ride over each, over each set of polls. And then, questions to kind of prompt you thinking about your progress, how it's going, what you want to work on for the future, and then opportunity to come back and see where you're at. And this so, is yeah. for, I want to clarify too, this is not just for jumpers. I mean, you're a dressage rider. No, no. This is for any rider. I'm, yeah, I'm totally, yeah, I'm totally dressage based. A lot of the um, the shapes that you ride, a lot of the lines you ride over the poles are based on movements from dressage chest. So diagonal lines, circles of very different sizes, loops, etc. So as much as it's great for jumping, for you know, working on the balance and engagement and turns and everything else, it's it's a fantastic for dressage horses and even for like hacking horses, trail horses. Just you know, if you get them more athletically fit, it's just going to increase the longevity of their career. So it's for everybody. 
what what Tanya does is really, really good fun. I mean, as Tanya said, we met when I attended one of her clinics and she now has clinics at, at my base. And to set it into context, in the layout in my arena at the moment is one from our, our polls and mulled wine session that we had at the weekend. Um, and I, Tanya's I laid British. out a Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> Tanya's uh, laid out a Christmas tree of polls. So the shape of the of the poles is a Christmas tree, but you can ride that straight. You can ride circles over the points of the tree, all sorts, and it's really good fun. And actually, my children, um, which now age from six to twelve, um, they're having a great time with it, and they've been riding all the lines. My twelve-year-old, who's actually quite proficient now, will ride up the centre line through the middle of the tree and halt right in the middle of it, and it's it, it's teaching her the same accuracy that she needs to be able to go and do a dressage test. So it's just good fun. Really, really good fun. Katie, does it get easier or harder the more mulled wine you drink? <laughs> well, it depends on I see I think that depends on your horse because I have a very I have a very hot Lusitano mare. And the more I drink, the calmer she is. <laughs> the more she drinks, the calmer, the calmer she, she is. is. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of I kind of think I need some sort of like IV of wine or something every time I get on her. It makes life a lot easier. It was so funny. We were, we were, I went to uh, Canada recently and we went to a barn up there, a big boarding stables. And in every tack box they had on the wall, there was whiskey. And it kind of <laughs> reminded me actually of some of the barns over in England. Uh, it, it was kind of the same way. Yeah, we have a we have a prosecco fridge in the chat room. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I so I want to get back to uh, talking about Grand Prix dressage. What level did you get up to? Uh, yeah, That's no, I, I basically Grand Prix. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I competed at every level up to and including Grand Prix. Um, Sam, who is my warm blood, who is actually 18 next year. I got him as a five-year-old, and he's the first horse that I trained and competed all the way through up to Grand Prix. And we actually did our first Grand Prix special this year as well. Oh, wow. Brilliant. Yeah. That's a whole different level, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Keeps me busy. Yes. (laughs) We were talking earlier. uh, I want to get to a little bit more about what you do in your podcast, but we were talking earlier. I kind of did the history because it's such a big deal of the London International Horse Show Olympia. Uh, And I assume you must have been there. We must have gone. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we've both visited many, many, many years over and over. It's kind of the highlight, isn't it? It is. And you know what's funny is it's now held held at London Excel and everybody in the UK still calls it Olympia. I think, and and generally you hear people say, are you going to Olympia? That's not Olympia. (laughs) Um, But it's, it's a huge show. And it's as a spectator, I I used to cover it as a journalist, but going as a spectator is just wonderful. I I don't think Christmas starts until you've been to Olympia, which isn't Olympia. Well, there you go. That's that's really cool. All right. So now let's talk a little bit, Tanya, about what, what do you guys do in the show other than drink Prosecco? Well, um, Katie very ably hosts. I very ably open the bottles of Fizz. You know, you've got to play to your strengths. So. <laughs> um, each episode, we, uh, we catch up a bit about my horses, what I'm doing with them, what I'm planning to do with them. Um, we often go off topic and have a good chat and catch up anyway. Um, I will answer listeners' questions. Katie's very mean. She doesn't let me see the questions in advance. So I have <laughs> no, to answer I, I them don't, on I, the spot. Tanya doesn't get to see my running order at all. I don't, I don't let her know any of the questions I'm going yeah, to ask. Yeah, that's what I do with Jamie, too. She's better that way if I don't tell her ahead of time. 
Exactly. Yeah. It's kindness, really, isn't it? Mate? Yeah, it is. Right, we're doing them a favor. That's right. Exactly. All right, you two. <laughs> um, then uh, we will sort of once a month we try and get a special guest on. Uh, so far, we've had um, a Grand Prix dressage judge. We've had um, an international competition groom. Um, in an episode that's coming out at Christmas, we had a PR and sponsorship expert, and then we're about to record one with a mindset coach, which should be really interesting. Um, and we've got some great plans for, for some guests next year. And then we've got every episode, we've got, oh, plans. We've got um, an equine lawyer for the UK uh, to answer questions on people that might have uh, dealt with a dodgy dealer. Um, or been ripped off in some way. Um, we've got a personal trainer coming on to talk about core strength and how you condition your body for riding. Uh, we're even looking at relationship to that one. <laughs> Yeah, you are, because he's going to do the exercises with you. Um, we're even having a relationship yeah. coach, uh, coach come on to talk about um, how you manage relationships if you have a non-horsey partner. Oh, uh, I can help. Because, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm known as America's horse husband, so if you need help with that one, I can I can certainly <laughs> chime in on that one. I think my, my husband's volunteered for that yeah. because he seems to just spend his entire time fixing fencing and, and swearing about horses. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's what we do in the first couple of years. <laughs> yeah. but it's, uh, so we're, we're looking at that, and, and I think we have some, we're going to have some repeat guests. Certainly our, our competition groom will come back. Um, she has some amazing stories of flying horses all over the world, but her grooming tips are amazing. So anyone that needs to get a grey horse to shine, she knows how to do it. Well, I assume <laughs> you can be found on all the podcast players. It's Poles, Piaf, and Prosecco. Um, tell That's me, though, right. uh, Tanya, I didn't get the name of the book. Uh, so the book is called Pole Work Journal. Pole Work Journal. And is it available in the United States, too? It is. It's available online at horseandriderukcom forward slash shop. And they can ship to anywhere in the world. Okay, sounds good. Well, thank you guys for coming on. It's so good to talk to you, and good luck with the show. Thank you thank very you much so for having us. All right, have a good holiday. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, if you're doing that shopping for the holidays, mostly for yourself, I know how you are. Uh, head on over to statelinetech.com. I happen to notice, she didn't tell me this, but I noticed her posting on Facebook about it, that my wife was shopping over there and buying saddle pads. So uh, <laughs> she's apparently bought quite a few. How many did you buy? Hmm, I'm not getting an answer from the number. Other. The number doesn't answer. No, doesn't I'm not getting an answer. <laughs> <laughs> so head on over there right now. We do have a coupon code. HRN is the coupon code, just HRN, 30% off eligible items. And you'll know whether your item's eligible. I don't know how to explain this. So the best way to tell if you you have an eligible item is just put them in the shopping cart and go to the shopping cart and put in the code. You'll see what's applied to it. It's applied to certain things and not certain things. That's the way all coupon codes work at these companies. And it's just too hard to explain. But try it and use it if you can. I know Jennifer got a discount on her uh, on her twenty thousand saddle pads she bought so um apparently adding to her collection i knew this was coming because the other day i heard her say wow my saddle pads really getting worn out which meant that uh you know her one saddle pad was really getting worn out and needed replaced and opposed to the other 10 so better to have it and not need it <laughs> than need it and not have it and at least she got it on sale that's right at least it was on sale so like it was free as jamie says <laughs> <laughs> StatelineTech.com. <laughs> all right. The Horse Health Report is brought to you by Daily Dose Equine, non-GMO core nutrition for horses and ponies of all ages. And coming up next, returning to us is who? Ashley.
We have Dr. Christy Gran, who is joining us, and she has so graciously agreed to actually join us once a month. So I am so excited to uh, to introduce her as a staple of the HRN stable. <laughs> See what Too you far? <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Christy, for joining us again. And just to remind everybody, Dr. Christy Gran is uh, practicing at Conley and Coots Equine Hospital. Dr. Christy, where is that located again? Or I think you're in the Midwest, right? Yep. We are on the northeastern corner of Indiana, just west of Fort Wayne. That's right. So today we have a hot button topic that has, dare I say, plagued the airwaves for years. And we're going to be talking about equine ulcers. They're blamed for everything. Every group you may be in, you see a picture or a symptom and it's ulcers. Everybody says ulcers, ulcers, or ulcers. So today we want to get to the bottom of it. Is it really always ulcers? Get us started. What what are some of the symptoms that that mean yes, this is an ulcer? So uh, yes, ulcers are super super tricky. Um, the frustrating part is that they are very 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 common. Um, I can't remember the exact percentage of them, but um, a very high amount of performance horses do have ulcers of some facet in their stomach. Um, and the other frustrating part of it is that the clinical signs of ulcers are similar to the clinical signs of 700 other things, right? So um, the big things that are notorious for um, leading people to think about ulcers are, you know, chronic colic that doesn't respond to um, traditional care um, weight loss or lack of weight gain despite eating, um, the classic food situation is that they'll eat their hay, but they won't eat their grain. Um, you know, got suddenly picky behavior changes, um, especially when being saddled. And then more recently, we're becoming more familiar with the fact that sometimes performance, um, is linked to true ulceration as well. Um, to the point where, you know, we have horses come in for, presumed lamenesses or, you know, the, the complaint is just that they're not working in the way that they should be working. We've worked everything else up. There's no evidence of, um, lameness or neuro disease or anything like that. And then we scope them and there's ulcers. Um, and so I think that's where ulcers tend to be thrown on everything because a lot of horses have them and they show up like a lot of other things. Um, and a lot of times it is ulcers, but um, it's definitely important to try to figure out if that's truly the case or not. And so when you say scoping them, <clears throat> pardon me, is that the only way that vets are able to diagnose an ulcer or is there a, you know, a DIY at home for all these folks yeah. who are blaming ulcers for everything? I'm getting my yeah, tube I, out right now. Uh. Yeah, I wish <laughs> I wish I had the answer that people want on that one, but the only, you know, documented true way of diagnosing ulcers is to actually see them. And that's where doing a gastroscopy. So sticking that um, camera up their nose, down the esophagus, into the stomach um, is necessary in order to look and see. Um, I know for a long while there was a product on the market that would basically look for blood in the feces um, and that has been shown to not be 100% um, in regards to diagnosing stomach ulcers. And then I know a lot of other people 
<clears throat> will say, you know, if you pinch in this spot or there's a touch point or a pressure point in another spot that that will tell you that it's ulcers. Um, really what that's telling you is that there's pain. Um, pain can come from a hundred things. So unfortunately, um, the only way to diagnose it is to actually scope them and look and see what you've got there. And the advantage to that is that you can then do a follow-up. So you can scope them, treat them, scope them again, and actually say, look, my clinical signs went away and the ulcers went away because I can see that, not just that they seem to feel a little bit better. So you're telling me that all these Facebook groups diagnosing ulcers uh, over the interwebs are not the way to go. (laughs) Not the way to go. No, no, definitely not the way to go. Fabulous. And so, okay, we've confirmed we have ulcers in my horse. We did the scope. What are some of the treatments? Are are there different medications, different price points? What can, um, maybe what can owners expect given different severities of ulcers and, and what, how do we define the different severities of ulcers? So, um, the, I guess I'll answer the last question first. So, um, we grade ulcers on a scale of zero to four um, in general. There's another area of the stomach that we don't have a number grading system for yet, um, but we do identify ulcers down in the pyloric region. Um, we also understand now that ulcers are very much like wounds. So a small wound um, doesn't take quite as long to heal as a large wound. Um, and so knowing that is helpful in regards to what to use to treat them and how long to treat them for. Um, Because if you have a bunch of really small ulcers um, that can be pretty detrimental to the horse in regards to clinical signs, it may not actually take as long to heal as if they've got one or two very, very large ulcers. Because again, smaller wounds heal faster than than, uh, bigger wounds. And the only, I won't say only, the most common and most successful way of treating ulcers is to use a drug uh, called omeprazole, uh, which in people, I believe that's Prilosec, um, but in horses, there's a product, um, there's only one FDA approved product out there for treatment. There's a bunch of different compounded versions that tend to be cheaper, um, but their consistency and whether they work or not um, is questionable sometimes. Um, Basically, what this drug does is it shuts down the acid production in the stomach, which gives the stomach an opportunity to heal itself. So it basically changes the environment to allow normal healing factors to kind of take over. Um, And, you know, there's a couple other drugs that we can use in regards to um, lower stomach ulcers like pyloric ulcers or non-healing ulcers, you know, ones that don't improve even with treatment. Um, and then the other part of it is management. So getting rid of the causes of these ulcers in this horse, if we can identify it, and also starting to feed them in a way that it changes the environment to, again, provide this more supportive area for these ulcers to heal. So, you know, feeding more roughages, um, pasture, alfalfa, that kind of thing, um, is better than, you know, these higher grain diets or, you know, very infrequent feedings um, and that kind of thing. And so in that vein, what kind of prevention can folks do to to get ahead of, of ulcers or to help their equine pals, you know, do the best they can to avoid the painful, the wounds yeah. that, that pop up in their stomachs? 
Yeah, that's a great question. And I'll actually comment that knowing whether or not you truly have ulcers is the first step to prevention. So if you know and have documented that your horse is an ulcer risk, um, then you know that you can jump on the prevention um, ship. So the biggest thing I tell people is saliva is a buffer of acid. So the more these horses chew, the more saliva they make. Um, which then means they'll buffer more acid. So as much roughage as possible. So pasture, hay, um, less high sugar grains um, are good preventions. Having a belly full before you go to work um, is also before the horse goes to work is also a good um, a good thing to do. Mostly because it prevents that splash of acid up into the upper part of the stomach. Um, so we usually tell people to throw throw your hay. Uh, before you intend to work them or before you leave for a show or whatever. Um, and then letting them live like a horse. So horses are meant to be eating 23 hours a day outside, moving around um, with friends, you know, that kind of thing. And giving them as close to that as possible, I think is important. You know, obviously every horse is a little bit different. There's some horses that could not possibly live outside because there's bugs out there, but um, there's some that absolutely are going to hate living in a stall too. Um, and then the other part of that is if you know that certain situations trigger your horse, you can use a Meprazole as a preventative in a smaller dose ahead of time. So I'll have people that are traveling and know that their horses are at risk. I'll have them start, you know, three, four days ahead of time, giving Omeprazole every day before they go. Um, to just kind of shut down that acid production um, in addition to continuing all of those environmental prevention type things too. Why? I got to, so why do, although this could be true of humans and we, we just, uh, we don't, <laughs> I, I was wondering why do we hear about it more in horses than we do humans or maybe humans have them. We just don't even acknowledge it. Yeah, I think um Ulcers, in my opinion, and there's no science behind this, but I truly believe ulcers are a man-made problem. Um, we have taken animals that were designed to live outside 24 hours a day in a herd, and we have taken them, um, not in a wrong way, but we've taken them now into a barn, um, sometimes by themselves, to do jobs that um, are a little bit stressful. Again, not necessarily in a bad way, but that are a little bit stressful and not a hundred percent natural. Um, and then that has created uh, a situation that causes these, um, these ulcers. We've also changed their diets, right? So you don't see wild horses eating grain diets. You see them eating roughage mostly, and we've changed that. And I, I truly believe a lot of ulcers are a man-made problem as is any big problem in a domesticated species is going to be. But um, that I think is why. And I think we've become more and more aware of it. You know, I think for a really long time, we probably just chalked things up to, to ulcers. And now that we know we can look for them and find them and, you know, scale them and, and treat them differently that we're becoming more aware that they're there. So then it's becoming a little bit more mainstream. That's so much incredible information. And I thank you so much, Christy. I know Glenn has a couple other questions for you, but I just sure. want everybody to know that we will be linking uh, 
Dr. Christie's uh, presentation on ulcers. So you can dive into all this information and more. It'll be linked in our show notes. And uh, I have to say, I'm a big fan of your last slide. It is the Oprah meme going, yeah. you get an ulcer, you get an ulcer, you that's get an ulcer. Feels. Yep, that's how it feels for sure. As a horse husband, all I hear is cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Yep. See, that's, yep. that's the horse husband in me hearing that. It is the holidays, though, Christy. So before you go, now that you're a regular on the show, we have to ask you some holiday questions. Are you ready? Sure, I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Your favorite holiday beverage? Uh, that's a good... I'm not a big holiday beverage fan. Um, no, 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 no eggnog for you? No, I would say I'm more of a cider fan. So I'll stick with more of like the Thanksgiving fall okay. foods that through. <laughs> through you're, yeah, not you're allowed to drink sure. anything at the holidays, so that's fine. True uh, story. Your favorite holiday food? I love dessert. Um, mm, so too. I we do um, blueberry buckle and pumpkin pie in my family. What's, so those are my favorite. Buckles? What's that? What's the blueberry thing? Blueberry buckle. It's like a, a coffee cake oh. with blueberries in it. Oh. We do it for breakfast, oh, for uh, Christmas morning breakfast. Okay, yep. next time you come on, I want the recipe for blueberry buckle, okay? Because we do Fair recipes enough. on this show. So oh, I'll get it for you. All Absolutely. Right. Definitely want that. <laughs> favorite holiday song? Uh, good question. I don't oh, give the her one any that warning. The, she had no I warning know. of this, so. <laughs> <laughs> the one that plays the most in my house right now is the hippopotamus one. That's my daughter's favorite song. <laughs> yeah, so that's a pretty, do you pretty have kids? popular one. <laughs> I do, yeah. I've got two young kids, so. That's, and we favorite holiday that. movie? Home Alone. Absolutely. Yeah, there you go. Yep, yeah, you yep. can't go wrong with that. <clears throat> yep. Well, thank you for playing along. We appreciate it. But next yeah, time, we'll we do come. want the recipe. Yeah, we'll talk about okay. horse health stuff, but then we'll do the important stuff. Um, I'll make sure to get it for you. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a bunch. And the website is ckaquinehospital.com. Correct. Yep. Thanks, Dr. Christie. Perfect. Have a good one. Thanks. Non-GMO whole food nutrition is the basis of the entire Daily Dose Equine program. We never forget that natural is better and simplicity is key. Our full line of specialty horse feeds is unique in the industry. We start with high-quality non-GMO grains that are flame-roasted for safety and better digestibility. And then we add non-GMO alfalfa, timothy, peas, sunflower seeds, and flax. Your horse will enjoy unsurpassed balanced core nutrition with elevated levels of vitamins, zinc, and copper, prebiotics, probiotics, and electrolytes in every mouthful. Find the perfect formulation for your horse at DailyDoseEquine.com. Select Daily Dose Equine formulations are available nationwide through Chewy.com and TractorSupply.com. I have a recipe for you today, and this is one of my mom's recipes that was never written down, and actually, until this morning, has never been written down. Um, it's a historic day. It is. I had to type it up and remember everything I do every time I make it. <laughs> so I asked Jennifer today, I said, I need a recipe, a recipe that I make, and, and you know, because when you're trying to think of one, you don't, you need somebody else to tell you which one you make all the time. Yeah. Uh, and she said, well, your go-to is hamburger gravy over mashed potatoes. So if you don't have a lot of time and don't have a lot of ingredients in the house, you usually have some of these. And the nice part about this recipe is you can substitute almost anything you want in here. 
And you we can, love a mix and oh, a mix and match recipe. If you want to use zucchini in it instead of peppers or whatever you want to do, you can do. Uh, it's that simple. So basically, I'll give you the the ingredients are hamburger, and we'll put the recipe in the show notes with the exact amounts. Peppers, whether you use green, yellow, red, I use a mixture. What I do with my onions and my peppers is we get the onions in, I chop them up, uh, and I put a bag of them in the freezer. And then anytime I need them, I just pull them out of the freezer and I don't have to chop onions all the time. So that's how we do our onions. I also do my peppers that way. I get a batch of red, green, yellow peppers and I chop them all up and make a big bag full of them and put them in the freezer and I can use them anytime then. And I have to imagine the onions in the freezer, then you're not crying all the time. That's right. That's why I do it. So I don't have to keep chopping onions all the time. I just grab some and throw them in the pan. Um, a couple of frozen peas, then a couple of packages of the beef gravy mix, whatever is your favorite, um, the powdered stuff, and Italian seasoning, paprika, garlic, salt and pepper, uh, parsley, and then you need four or five potatoes cubed and cream cheese and milk or cream. So basically, that's mm. for making the mashed potatoes. So obviously, the first thing is just make the potatoes, boil them, do the usual thing, drain them. And then when I mix them, when I mix them up, I use parsley. I use cream cheese. That is the ticket. That we I use cream cheese every time I make mashed potatoes now. They're cre- uh, yeah. Yeah, they're creamier. There's no excuse not no, to. No. <laughs> Uh, milk, you know, as you need it, or cream, or whatever you use. And you want a drier mash, not a not a looser mashed potato. You can make mashed potatoes a bunch of different ways, right? Um, this is not, you know, whipped potatoes. This is mashed potatoes, and I make it a little bit drier, not quite adding as much milk. And that's because the hamburger gravy goes over top of it. So mm-hmm. if it's more liquidy, if it's a little looser, it's actually better if it's not. Right. Uh, so you want firmer mashed potatoes. Um, hamburger gravy. This is simple. In a large fry pan, add some oil or butter. Uh, you add your onions, your peppers, your garlic if you want it. You can leave garlic out. Put more garlic in, whichever you want. Um, you cook for a couple of minutes until all of the vegetables start to soften. Then you add your hamburger meat, peas. I use frozen peas. You want frozen peas for this. Uh, salt and pepper to taste. And then you stir that until everything's browned, right? Until the meat's browned. Then I add Italian seasoning and it's like a, like a teaspoon or two of Italian seasoning and paprika, which gives a little bit of a smoky flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when, when all that's browned, you remove it from the pan, drain it, and then you make your gravy. Basically, you heat your gravy in the same pan, and then you add the hamburger mixture back in, and you, you heat it until everything's, you know, hot again. Uh, you put a mound of mashed potatoes on your plate, and you add salt and pepper again, put more salt and pepper on it to taste on the potatoes, and then you put the hamburger mixture over the potatoes, and that's it. You eat. And it's My stomach is growling. <laughs> I am shocked that the mic is not picking this up. <laughs> and, you know, for hamburger, you can use tur- – I've used turkey burger. With turkey burger, I tend to want to put more seasoning because it's so bland. Yeah. Um, but you can use turkey burger if you want it leaner. Uh, and then – or you could just use some of your weird tofu crap. Uh, you could use that too instead of turkey or hamburger. Why you would – I don't know. But I guess you could. Um, <laughs> so – because it would be vegetarian if you did that. <clears throat> maybe beans for our veggies out there. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the nice part about this – and then you could use vegetable uh, – you could use vegetable gravy too. 
you know. You, oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah, it's anything. You're just making a covering for the mashed potatoes, basically. And this they, is really a shepherd's pie. Potatoes. It's an upside yeah. down shepherd's pie, is what it is. Totally. You can do the same thing. This is how you make shepherd's pie. The, the only difference is you put the meat on the bottom, you put the potatoes on top, and you bake it for a little while. That's so right. That's the only difference with this and shepherd's pie. So um, it's just upside down shepherd's pie. And my mom used to call it hamburger <laughs> gravy. And you could tell when my mom made it, either we were poor because it was cheap to make for four boys. Um, and, or she just didn't feel like cooking anything else. <laughs> so she'd make the, and that's exactly why I made it all these years. Either we were poor or <laughs> you, you didn't have a lot of time to make something fancy. Yep. Uh, but it's still good. It's just good. Well, sometimes those kind of meals and recipes are the best. You know, similarly, my mom, I used to love uh, breakfast for dinner. And I only recently found out it's because we were poor and my mom didn't have other stuff to put on the dinner table. And I thought it was such a treat. You yeah, know, there you it's, go. it's just funny looking <laughs> back how it all shakes out. That is true. That is true. You know, we tried, uh, we went to Aldi for the first time in forever. We haven't been there. Really? For, I don't know why. I, we went to Aldi when we lived in Lexington, Kentucky all the time. And here we just never have. So we went to Aldi the other day and it did bring back memories. Uh, but they had something we haven't had in a long time and that's pepper bacon. Um, and it's just peppercorn coated bacon. Mm. And the thing about their their bacon is the strips are fatter. So it's not, you know, oh, bacon's yeah. so wimpy now. Uh, yeah. it's, it's like almost see-through when you get it. it uh, it's a letdown. You yes. know, you open the package and it's just this flimsy little That's sad true. piece of ham. <laughs> I got to tell you, the pepper bacon from Aldi, though, it's, it's still good. We had we had breakfast for dinner last night. We had pancakes and bacon. And, uh, oh, was, I love it. It was really good. Jennifer's the pancake maker. I, mm. for some reason cannot make a good pancake as Jennifer can. And it's so easy, but I don't know. Uh, That sounds like a man story to me, (laughs) Glennie. I make the bacon, she makes the pancakes. She does make better pancakes, so there's no question about it. But yeah, there you go. That's my recipe. I will put that in the show notes so you can have it also posted over in the auditor room uh, for the auditors. And it's simple, it's easy, it's something you can make when you're sick of turkey. That's it for today's show. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We really do appreciate it. Thank you, Ashley, for filling in. I I, I keep her busy with other stuff here, and uh, so I do appreciate when you take the time to hang out with me. Oh, thanks for letting me out of the basement. <laughs> Jamie will be here <laughs> uh, back on Friday, we hope. She's supposed to be flying back today, so we'll see her back here on Friday. Get your ads in for to Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. We have some prizes this month that will be given away in a couple of weeks, so definitely get your ads into Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. Do, when you have a Craigslist ad or even a Facebook ad, do a screenshot of it, because by the, if you just do a link, by the time Jennifer gets to it, it's probably gone. So it's better if you don't if you don't hear your ads, that's probably why. If you send a link, it's just gone and we don't have it. So it's better to do a screenshot and send her email her a screenshot. That's a better way to do it. And hang on, we're going to talk a little bit about the Florida Keys coming up in the Auditor Post Show. Thanks everybody. Take care. Time for the Auditor Post Show. We want to remind you that this is not always safe for work or the kiddos. Thanks for hanging around for our nonsense.
That's right. It is time for the post show. Thank you, auditors, for hanging around. Appreciate it. We hope you're all having a, a great holiday. I noticed a lot of people are starting to get their gifts now from Secret Santa. So uh, that's always I fun. got mine. Did you get yours? I yeah. didn't open it yet. Oh, you I didn't? Did, are you going to wait? No, I'm going to wait. I I don't. I can't promise I'll wait till Christmas morning because I was one of those brats who convinced my parents to let me open presents on Christmas Eve. Uh, but I can definitely wait till the 24th. Oh, I can see your cute little face going, mommy, mommy. Oh, well, it was a whole <laughs> thing. You know, it used to be just one at eight o'clock. Then I got one on the hour leading up to midnight. Then by midnight, I could open them all. I was in it for the long game. Long game. <laughs> you were long allowed game. to stay up to midnight. We stayed oh, up to well, midnight because we, we had to go to mass. They didn't care. Oh yeah. See, we didn't do the the mass thing. So. Mid- midnight mass. It was the one night that mom and dad let us stay up, and and then you'd get there, and in ten minutes you were asleep during midnight mass. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes on you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. And then they would carry us all out to the car after you get home at like two in the morning. Oh, my gosh. I know. I, I do remember Midnight Mass, a lot of those. All right. Uh, I, before the show, we were going to talk about something completely different today. Then right before the show, I mentioned to Ashley that we're doing a cruise uh, for the holidays this year. We were supposed to do one COVID year, and it got canceled. Um, and we've never cruised over the holidays before. So we're doing Celebrity out of Fort Lauderdale, which, by the way, is the same place we're taking the Horse Lovers Cruise out of in two months. So, oh, my gosh. I can't wait. So we're going to have an idea of how the port works and all of that when we get down there. So Because uh, we've never sailed out of, port, uh, out of uh, Fort Lauderdale before. So we'll have a better idea when it comes to the Horse Lovers Cruise what's going on. Perfect. We love a guinea pig. Yeah. First time we're doing Celebrity, which is kind of a little bit, tiny bit higher end than Royal Caribbean. Uh, we did that only because we thought there'd be less kids on, for Christmas cruise. Uh, oh, yeah. So um, I mentioned that we're going to be in Key West on Christmas Day. That's our port on Christmas Day, which is going to be kind of fun. We've been there before, but you have stories about Key West. I do. Uh, so I have been a certified scuba diver since I was, I, I think, 14 or 15. I didn't know that. Yeah. So oddly enough, um, scuba diving runs in my family just as deeply as horses. My parents are both from Michigan, uh, but my grandparents even were divers. They were big uh, sailors. And so they'd spend a lot of time hopping around, you know, the Bahamas and the Caribbean. And so um, I think it's at 14 or 15 is the earliest that you can become a diver. And I went to a really, really, really cool school and it was actually included in our marine biology class. So we got, as a part of studying marine biology, you could also become a certified scuba diver and then take a field trip to the Keys. Like, no brainer, right? (laughs) In high school? In high school, yeah. So uh, that, you know, I couldn't wait my whole life to be a diver. My parents would throw in a BC in the pool and just let us pretend we were mermaids. And we even have Christmas cards for my grandparents in lawn chairs in the deep end of their pool in their scuba gear. So scuba diving was just, it's been a huge part of my life. And I still do uh, any chance, both Zach and I uh, scuba dive. We got in a few dives. That's so cool. Yeah. We did a few dives in Europe and and it was, it was all right, but nothing beats the keys. And I am so partial because I grew up uh, going to mini season. So any Floridians or fishermen or women would know uh, there's a small window of lobstering 
before the season opens. And it's usually the last weekend. Let me think here. In August, I believe. It's been a minute since I've gone, so I'm sorry, guys, if if I'm incorrect here. But it's a three-day window where you're allowed to hunt lobster. And they are called the cockroach of the sea. Oh, yeah. So not not catching them in traps. You actually go down and catch them. Oh, yes. And you use a very advanced technology called a tickle stick. (laughs) <laughs> and this is just a bent piece of metal. And I think the limit is something like eight to 10 lobsters a day. And we would always go out with friends. So we would come home with 40, 50 lobsters. I didn't even uh, know we the had them down here. Yeah. So they're not the ones with claws. Okay. It's the Caribbean spiny lobster. And uh, honestly, for decades, I would just give those away as Christmas gifts because I'd be swimming. I'd be sick of lobster by the time it was Christmas. <laughs> Uh, and knew? and so doing that through high school into my mid and even late 20s, I also became very familiar with Key West as the party destination that it is. I am a veteran of the Duval crawl, which if you know, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, <laughs> and I was just so excited when you mentioned you'd be in Key West because I just I, I can I have that whole place mapped out on the back of my hand. It is such a special place in my heart. Okay, so where do you, I, I just where, love it. What's your favorite key lime pie place? Blue ha- Haven. It is this little off the beaten path. They, they don't even have indoor seating. No, I don't it's, think. A, it's I've like never in a courtyard, right? We've been there. Yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. They have a ping pong table yes. and a tiki bar <laughs> and the key lime pie that It's like a two-story house in the back street. And there's chickens running all over the place. Well, there's chickens everywhere in Key West. Yeah. Yeah. The key lime pie slice. I'm not kidding. It's got to be 10 inches tall. Jennifer's now getting – she really likes key lime pie, so we'll have to to get some Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I can't – you know, I'm not a – I'm a chocolate guy, so key lime pies, you know. I'm better with the beignets in in New Orleans. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm, Those are good, too. But, yeah, I can't wait to see what's open and what's not open or what it's like on Christmas Day there. I can't imagine. I'm sure I know there's no for... drinking, you know. Not, oh, yeah, no, no. you know the keys. <laughs> Nobody does that. Uh, <laughs> I know for New Year's, uh, because my mom has been, she was a park ranger at Marath- in Marathon Island, which oh, is Marathon about... Marathon Key, yeah? Yeah, yeah, 45 minutes north of Key West, and I think she was a ranger there for, I think, seven years. Was it was that until one of her Irma. favorite assignments? It except it got hot. Yeah, it got so hot. But yeah. she um got to work a lot with the sea turtle rehab and uh, the hatching of the sea turtles every year. That was really cool. Um, and she lived there until Irma uh actually oh, yeah. forced them to to leave the Keys. Yeah. Um, but I know in New Year's in the Keys, instead of you know how they do in New York with the big um the big ball, yep. uh, the mirror ball, in the Keys, in true Keys style. They drop a conch shell with a drag queen inside. <laughs> and if it, uh, it is the most fabulous thing you've ever <laughs> seen. <laughs> Can you imagine the amount of drinking on New Year's Eve? Oh, my gosh. I he wish. Was- I have never been brave enough to go to the New Year's or Fantasy Fest there because <laughs> I've seen enough naked people in Key West on a normal day. <laughs> yeah. you know? And they're mostly the ones you don't want to see. You don't. No. <laughs> God, I'm. You know, bless you and your confidence, but uh, <laughs> stay over on that side of the street. Thank you. <laughs> well, I'll give you a Christmas Day report. I think we're in port, like, 
nine o'clock in the morning till four or five. Oh, you so, guys could probably hit a killer brunch. That's what you should look up. Yeah, I, I, we're definitely going to do that. We'll have to see what's open. I, I don't know. The Keys has limited uh, the amount of cruise ships in port now, which is nice. Uh, yeah. You know, because it used to be, God, it was so crowded if there were two or three cruise ships in port. I can't imagine because it's not like Key West is really all that big. No, it isn't. You know, really, it isn't. Especially the downtown area. That's yeah. pretty small. It's, it's a just streets. a few blocks. Yeah. 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 And you always go to the restaurant that has the outdoor seating and you, you get whatever. And it's just good. I mean, it's just it's just fun. It's just a fun it's just, place yeah, to wander good around. Good old-fashioned fun. I do have a fun fit, bit of trivia about the Keys, okay. if you'd like. Yeah, sure. So I, I don't know if you're familiar with the Conch Republic flag that's yep. often yep. flown. Yep. So this came to be, I want to say in the 70s. I'm not reading, so this is all from my brain. So like, don't check me. But it was sometime in the 70s, the Keys actually uh, attempted and wanted to secede from the United that's States. Right. So that they could tax all of the drugs and rum being run through the Keys into America. <laughs> the Keys would be the wealthiest little country in the world. <laughs> Needless to say, Uncle Sam said, no, no. But they still very proudly fly that conch flag high. And it's really just a bunch of pirates. That's what we joke about. It's just a bunch of pirates down there. I can't, I, we went to one bar one time on, um, gosh, was it Hogfish Key? And this guy is sitting at the bar with a machete hanging out of his pants. No shirt, no shoes, a machete. And he's just like, what's up, dude? Like, it's a normal day. I just, I love the keys. You never know what you're going to get. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> so I was just reading about what there is to do it uh, on Christmas Day in the Keys, and it says, if you've risen in Key West for Christmas, then your plans are probably filled with non-traditional ways of celebrating the holiday. No snowmen, no hot cocoa, or no sledding here. It's more like relaxing on the beach, palm trees, and drinking. <laughs> so. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, you like, you know, like a a, a nice pina colada, and you can pretend <laughs> you it's snow. <laughs> <laughs> so I, we're looking forward to that. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're actually just looking forward to the relaxing on the cruise and not thinking about life. That's you know, yeah. people ask all the time why we do cruises. It's because there's no thought, right? There's you get up, you eat, yeah, you do whatever port you're at that day. And then you get back on the, but everything's there. It's like a floating hotel. So you're not, and you're also not constantly packing and driving to a new hotel and checking in and checking out and doing all that stuff. Right. It's, it's your, your hotel's there. They feed you food anytime you want, uh, drinks anytime you want. They entertain you. It's just all right there. So that's kind of what It's like a, a floating all-inclusive. It is. Yeah, yeah, it is. And there's a lot less all-inclusive now. So, um, yeah. you know, that's why cruises have become so popular. It's because it's easy. It's just an easy way to see something. Uh, I'm so excited for our horse lovers cruise uh, coming up in February. You know, the last time I cruised, we're actually, less than sixty days away for that. Oh my gosh, I can't wait! I, the last time I cruised, I was 14 years old, and it was over Christmas break. As a matter of fact, so really, it's been that long. Yes, it, I have. Oh wait, I lie. I forgot. I did do a cruise through the Greek Isles when I was 17, I think. So it's still been a while. It's been a hot minute. Yeah. Well, we tried to do a cruise. Uh, I wanted so badly to take Zach to the Greek Isles, but COVID got us because, you know, when we lived in Italy, that was a super cheap little jaunt over to the to Greece. But um, 
COVID wrecked it, just like everything else. Now, did I say he's not coming? That's correct. I ditched my husband. <laughs> or did he ditch I you? don't Which know what's wrong it? with him. I said, you got a free cruise, babe. And he's staying home to write his thesis on, I don't know, world domination or something. <laughs> he's getting his master's in some important thing. And I said, fine, stay home, nerd. I'm bringing my very best friend who lived with me while we were in Italy. Um, her husband works is an airman as well. And they live in Louisiana. And she's the only girl I could think of who... You want to sleep in the same room with? <laughs> well, no. I mean, God, she doesn't know a thing about horses, but it's not going to matter. She is so much fun. Oh, well, that's good. That's all that She counts. is a hoot and a holler. Well, I mean, and it's I, not like she, we're doing seminars on horses. We just all get together and party. So let's, Exactly. <laughs> and so I knew she would fit in perfectly. And so, You'll have yeah, more fun with her than you Shay. would with him anyway. So. I think so. <laughs> he doesn't listen to this. He won't to this, listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a lot of, actually, there's a lot of people that go that, Ditch their husbands and go, you know, so and go with uh, friends. So it's you're not going to be alone in that. Uh, you won't be the only one, is what I'm saying. I I didn't even if I was. Are I'm you bringing cool door it. art? Have you started to think about your I door d- art? I don't know anything that I'm supposed to do. Well, like, you're you can do have anything you want on your skinny. doors. Your doors are metal, so anything magnetic works on the doors. Um, oh. And uh, we brought. Did we bring the alphabet the one year? And that's the year that. Uh, Robin's kids constantly were writing things on our door. So oh. we brought the magnetic. We'll have to bring the magnetic. Oh, we need to get magnetic alphabets for everybody. That's yeah. what we'll put in their bags. And we can leave Write secret that down, messages. Jennifer. <laughs> we need to find magnetic alphabets for everybody for their doors so we can leave each other messages. Oh, how oh, funny. And bad. strangers could do it too, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Strangers I mean, can do it too. Yeah. Oh, geez, oh, Pete. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, that could be funny, though. We're going to. <laughs> We always look for something. We give away goodie bags at the beginning, and we, you know, a lot of times we've done we've done rubber duckies, we've done all kinds of stuff, and uh, we try and find something different for door art for the doors because it's a big thing, especially I imagine at Christmas we have to get some Christmas door art. Oh yeah, you do. You'll have to oh, decorate. Oh yeah, we huh? need to decorate our door. I need to like. I'm gonna get on Amazon right now. God bless Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Jennifer's like, no more caffeine for you. You do need Christmas door. I need a Christmas tree for the door. Maybe I'll bring her along our little tiny Christmas tree and we can set it up in the room. They probably don't allow that. Oh, gosh. Could you imagine if they confiscate that? You'd go viral in a minute. (laughs) Well, it's fun talking to you about the keys. I learn something new about you all the time. And I talk to you every day. (laughs) (laughs) I I like to keep it interesting. What can I say? (laughs) All right. Thanks, auditors. We'll talk to you on Friday. Congratulations. You made it through another post show. Thank you for all your support. Now go ride your horse.